The 2021 Acura TLX is the top-selling luxury sedan in St. Louis, and St. Louis Acura has an unbeatable selection. The TLX has the highest safety rating, and right now you can get $2,500 in loyalty conquest offers with 0% financing for up to 36 months. We offer free pickup and delivery, and we'll also buy your used vehicle, even if you don't buy from us. St. Louis Acura, committed to becoming better than ever for you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Ferrario Face-Off. Mike Claiborne here, along with Alex Ferrario. And Alex, man, I'm looking forward to this visit because uh, we've got a special guest, a guy who's been around hockey for a long, long time, a guy I've learned to really appreciate his writings, and we have a chance to talk to him today. I appreciate his writings, Claves. I appreciate his jokes at the rink, and he's my favorite Lou Ball, <laughs> Lou Korak of NHL.com. Lou, man, thanks so much for hopping on with us today, and let's get into it because I didn't know we were going to have the big news of the hockey world to talk about when we would start this video, and it's Jack Eichel finally getting traded. The saga has finally come to an end, but I'm looking at this, and I was going through some quick math last night. Now with Jack Eichel on a Vegas Golden Knights roster that win at full strength with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty have a dangerous looking top six forward group, you got like $70 million tied up in like eight players. I don't know how this is going to work. No, I agree. Boy, you talk about a bombshell. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was quite something to wake up to. But I'll tell you what, Alex, you're right, because, uh, you know, you can make out that top six, but who's going to be in your bottom six? That That's going to be, to me, yeah. equally as important because, you know, I I hate to keep referencing to it, but I almost feel like I'm compelled to because uh, you think about what the Blues did two years ago. How do they win this thing without their bottom six and the contributions yeah. those guys made? I mean, those guys can be equally as important as as, as your top guys. So. Yeah, it's all great to be able to get a player of that caliber. And, you know, we still don't know what he's going to really be like once he comes back from this uh, neck surgery. I mean, this is pretty serious stuff. And we know how great and how good of a player he has been in his career. But, man, it's – I don't know. I don't know, guys. Is it almost a calculated gamble, the best way to put it? I mean, it's a great thing to do. But what are you really getting once all this is finally said and done? Well, I, and I agree with you, Lou. There's a real, and, and obviously being in Vegas, it's a roll of the dice, uh, in my opinion, for them, uh, because we don't know when Eichel's going to be ready. We don't know how he's going to mesh. But but if you're Buffalo, you know, did you get enough? Because remember, you're talking about high draft choices. Well, if Vegas is as good as everybody thinks they're going to be, they're going to be one of the teams that drafts near the back end of the first round. Right. So basically what you're doing is getting some extra second and third round picks uh, for an organization who is desperate for talent. And, and I think because of their reputation, there are a lot of kids who say, you know what, maybe I won't go there. Maybe I'll go back to college uh, or maybe I'll stay in juniors. I mean, there's a lot of things that Buffalo's got to do in order to change their image in order to really be able to realize this haul that they think they got in getting these picks from Vegas um, you know, I, I just don't know. I think this is one of those deals where we won't know who really got the best of it for maybe two or three years. Well, it's kind of like the Ryan O'Reilly trade, right? Yeah. I mean, you kind of had to really analyze that, uh, you know, once the picks came in and well, we know what they got right off, right off the hop. And, uh, I mean, Tate Thompson has sort of come into his own here, I guess, uh, 
in, this year and maybe towards the end of last year, but that's about it. You know, I, I haven't seen a ton more out of that. So we obviously know who got the better of, of that trade. So, uh, yeah, you're right, Mike. It's going to be one of those where you really can't analyze it right away. And I'm kind of with you, man. I, I don't know if they really got exactly what they were hoping to get out of this. I mean, we heard some of the rumors yesterday coming out of this and, uh, Boy, some of the things that they were talking about coming out of Calgary, man. Yeah. <laughs> now you're talking about a haul there and something that uh, we can analyze instantly. But this one to me, yeah, I mean, you know, Peyton Krebs could be a nice player. Alex Tuck has been uh, a nice secondary player to me in Vegas. Uh, really didn't pan out in Minnesota, which I thought they gave up on him too too soon. But uh I don't know. I thought they could have gotten more out of this, but I guess on the flip side of it, uh, the longer this went on, uh, something had to be done. Bottom line, uh, you couldn't let this drag on anymore. Well, here one other thing before we move on. When you think about the players that, that Buffalo gets, these are guys who probably want more ice time, and they're going to obviously get it. Now the question is, do they flourish or do they get exposed? Right. Uh, and as you touched on Tage Thompson, this is a former first round pick. Okay. And for a guy who's still trying to find his way, how many years now has it been since he's been a pro and, and he still really hasn't arrived in that first round manner. You you have to wonder if, if you're Buffalo and you're getting these guys and you say, well, man, you know, they come from a good organization in Vegas. They just didn't play as much, or maybe they didn't develop. They'll have a chance to develop here. Well, who's going to develop them? You have to remember. The guy who's a general manager used to be the rink attendant for Buffalo's um, uh, training camp, okay? I mean, they've got some real internal issues within that organization, and they don't have those old greats hanging around the rink anymore. I mean, they've kind of run all those good players, not that they had a lot, uh, have moved on. So I don't know how this organization is even going to recover and be in a position to develop players to be able to truly compete. Well, to be honest with you, Mike, um, you can kind of sit down and and just just write down Ryan O'Reilly and Jack Eichel now, and then mm -hmm. put down the trade pieces mm -hmm. right next to it, and and start seeing how many check marks you can put down. That's that to me is kind of where you can go with this. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly and Jack Eichel, those names speak for themselves, and you know those are household bona fide NHL names. Uh, any anything in return that Buffalo got? Can we go there uh, again? You know, I mentioned Tage Thompson out of that. Patrick Berglund is gone. Uh, Vlad Sabotka is gone. Uh, what what have some of the other picks? And without having it in front of me, uh, what have they done with some of those other picks? Uh, I believe uh, you know. Well, Alex Tuck is a household name. That that's that's going to be a guy that's going to be able to contribute. To, again, I, I still think the jury is out on a Peyton Krebs. You know, all the yeah. hype is there, but what is he really going to amount to? That that's yet to be determined. And all those picks that they're getting, that that's great. But what you do with those picks is going to be ultimately what decides uh, how well Buffalo comes out of this or uh, how bad it really makes them look. And I think they've already done a pretty good job of making things look pretty bleak up there. So uh, the, this one is going to have one of those uh, to be determined uh, before we actually put a letter grade down there for them. The one thing that I have learned over these last couple of years, and Claves, you would know this better than anybody because you've seen plenty of hockey, 
But the way that Vegas is putting together their roster isn't the way you put together a Stanley Cup championship roster. I I mean, if you look at the amount of first-round draft picks that they've traded away, Nick Suzuki, Eric Brandstrom, and now Peyton Krebs, they've traded another first-round draft pick in that span of time. You're, You're basically putting a group of really good players on individual teams around the NHL on your team. It's a super team, and you're trying to turn it into an NHL roster. And the reason I bring this up is because Eddie Olchek last night on the broadcast on the television side, he said that this Blues team has the makings of another deep run this season. And then later in the postgame show, Rick Tockett, who a former NHL coach, had mentioned that the Blues were rumored to be also in the Jack Eichel sweepstakes. And I'm thinking going after Jack Eichel right now makes no sense for St. Louis for how their roster looks because Vegas, Toronto, teams that just throw a bunch of money at individual players and say, okay, well, this is our Stanley Cup roster. They're going to be depleted midway through an 82-game schedule, and you're not going to have enough tools to get through a Stanley Cup run, which is why you have to give Doug Armstrong a lot of credit for what he's done. Well, and I agree with you to a point where I'd heard that the uh, the Blues were kicking the tires on Eichel, and I think that had a lot to do with Tarasenko. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, maybe Buffalo was interested – but, you know, I think Buffalo obviously wanted some some more prospects. But, you know, you, you touch about this super team. How many times have we watched teams that were loaded in their top six and maybe had a good pair of defensemen, and all of a sudden the fourth-line guys and the third-line guys would just grind you down and grind and grind and grind, and all of a sudden they took away that first line or that second line. So now it becomes a more balanced hockey game that the other team that be let's put Vegas in that category doesn't have a response to, because as you touched on, they don't have a lot of talent. Uh, that's not a, with this organization. It's not like their farm system is that deep. And I think if we learned anything, you need every swinging stick you can find when postseason rolls around. Um, and, and anytime you can get some kids some playing time, I, I look at a guy like Dakota Joshua, if the yeah. blues win this thing, or if the blues find themselves somewhere deep into this, Guys like Joshua are going to have to make an impact now to the point where Barubi will trust them later. Uh, and if you don't have those guys on those third and fourth lines who can give you some quality minutes, and I'm not talking about giving you a 30-second huff and puff. I'm talking about having a chance to put the forecheck, draw a penalty, maybe score a goal, do some other things that the other team doesn't have an answer to. Uh, if you don't have those things working for you, then you'll end up watching the playoffs. Uh, you'll be in the playoffs, but you won't be in there long. You'll be watching the second round on TV. Mike, I've talked about it enough times, and Alex, you saw it. I mean, again, here we go. We're going back to reference uh, 2019. Uh, without Steam, without Sunquist, without Barbashev, they don't win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. I mean, how many times did Craig Berube put those guys out on the ice against uh, – Bergeron, Pasternak, and uh, and Marshan. Yeah. To not just not just a token shift, but to go out there and to literally make an impact and shut those guys down. I mean, draw penalties those, as well. Yeah, you need those kinds of players. And uh, I don't know when, when when I look back on this. Uh, yeah, it's it, it it's great that Vegas is loading up with uh, you know a number of superstars here, but uh, you just don't you just don't see it a lot. And you know you can go beyond hockey here. I mean. Look what the Rams are doing. Sorry, guys, to bring them up, but they're kind of doing the same thing here where they're dispatching all their first-round picks, right? 
You know, well, they haven't been good at drafting anyway, so right. it probably is better off that they <laughs> do get rid of. Them. Their last first round pick was Jared Goff, so they figured let's just trade him away so we don't have to pick. Them. We don't have to get in line anymore. Yeah, we can get the morning off. <laughs> no kidding. But I mean, think about it, fellas. It's 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 hard to do. I mean, it's yeah. hard to win this thing without twelve forwards and six D men and 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 a, and a backbone of a goalie. They needed that two years ago, and uh, I think you can say the same thing about you know what Tampa's done in the last two years. I mean, they've had guys, yeah, you've got your Kucherovs, you've got your Stamkos, you've got your Victor Hedmans there, but uh, they needed some of those guys on the back end, like, you know, a Gord and uh, some of those other guys that they've utilized in their third and fourth lines. Uh, Ross Colton, uh, Pat Maroon, for for God's sakes, you know. You need those kind of guys on your team, uh, not just on the ice, but, in the locker room and someone needs to say something or, or off the ice to, you know, kind of keep, keep the band together and keep, keep, keep the glue together of, of a team concept. So I'm interested to see how this uh, plays out. It's, it's, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, You know, it's going to give us something to talk about for sure. Isn't it? No doubt. I I agree. You know, when you think about, and I, and I would say that maybe Vegas is mortgaging the farm. I go back to the Red Wings. Of the, of the 90s and early 2000s where they did this same thing they see a guy let's let's give a draft choice up let's do this let's do that and and it finally caught up to him between that and the salary cap it caught up to him to the point they never recover from from that that run that they had now granted they'll tell you we'll trade cups for this any day of the week right. yeah here, here's the only problem none of those guys you have now know what a cup looks like let alone knows what you're playing for and if you're not smart and if you don't know how to manage your cap, you could be the Red Wings for years. The, the Blackhawks are going through the same thing. Now, they're trying to recover. I, I don't know if they still have enough. But look how long it takes for those teams when they get out of line to have to get back in it and, and really contend. So if you're Vegas, have at it. If you're Colorado, have at it. Be my guest. I think the way the Blues have tried to manage this thing is it, probably more of a template for a longer-term run than what we're seeing with some teams who I, I'll tell you right now, I think in two years, Vegas will be watching the playoffs on TV a lot longer than they'll be in it themselves. Well, and to the point that you made, Klaibs, I mean, take a look at the Edmonton Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers have been trying to build since 2004 or whatever that was where they went to the Stanley Cup final and they lost. They've been trying to rebuild it, and it just took them up until this season to sit there and say, hey, we can't win this with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. We need more. They go out there and they acquire Duncan Keith with some experience. They sign Zach Hyman from the Toronto Maple Leafs because he is a secondary scoring option. And and that leads me to what we've been seeing from the Blues here in the early portion of the season, Lou. I mean, you are now eight games in. They took their second loss of the season against the LA Kings. But this is a team that has been playing without Ryan O'Reilly, without Pavel Buchnevich, without Brandon Saad for periods of time. More COVID has impacted this team with Ville Husso and with Kyle Clifford. But yet every time somebody goes down, you sit there and you look at this roster and say, okay, well, you get an opportunity for one of these other guys to step into a role. Whereas two years ago, last year, if the Blues lost somebody, when they lost Oscar Sundquist, there was panic among Blues fans because it's like, oh, no, Zach Sanford has a higher role now or Sammy Blay has a higher role. I mean, that is the offseason work of what these Blues teams have done to sit there and say, if we want success, if we want a cup, we got to have four lines and we got to have a line in the minors that can step in if we need them to. 
Hey, before we get a response from Lou, let us tell everybody about our good friends from Ameren. Every day, Ameren, Illinois works to deliver reliable energy throughout the state to on-the-go families, in-the-know grandparents, and busy students. But did you know we also have ways to manage your energy? Paperless billing, outage notifications, pick a due date, auto pay, and so much more. So no matter who you are or how you use your energy, there's an option that's right for you. Learn more at AmarinIllinois.com slash options. Back in the Ferrario face-off, Alex Ferrario, Luke Korak from NHL.com is our guest. And, and, and Alex, you were throwing a pretty good question out there to Lou before we went to break. Yeah, Lou, it's just about the depth of this team. And for finally, Doug Armstrong has just continued to build what he accomplished in 1819. And without players who have been on COVID, protocol list and been unavailable for the team we've looked at it as said next man up and you actually believe next man up well and what you've seen is uh hello jake neighbors we've gotten yep. uh indoctrinated into who he is okay it's it's been a small sample size so far but jake neighbors is in here clem costin is getting his chance uh you know Nice stroke of genius there to me, the way it looks like right now by bringing in another veteran like James Neal. You know, he's he's sort of your sandpaper guy like you had when you had Pat Maroon here a couple of years ago. Uh, co small component pieces, guys, they, they really do make a difference. Uh, you know, they could be looked at and said, ah, you know what, they're going to play their 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 minutes a night and, you know, call it a night. But I'll tell you what, it, you, you learn pretty fast just how valuable some of these, uh, you know, complimentary pieces are. You, you really do. And uh, I got I got a deep appreciation for that while they went on that run, because, it, man, this is Mike, you've seen it for a number of years. This this is a grind. This is a haul, yeah. man. This this isn't this isn't an easy thing to do. And I, you know, I'll go to my grave and say this is the hardest trophy in sport to win. There's you no guys doubt. have seen it. No I mean, doubt. You've seen it with, you know, the Super Bowl, MLB with the, you know, winning, winning the championship there and the NBA title, which, you know, you look at the top four, man, I put the Stanley Cup up there and you just need so, you know, you need just so many things to fall into place for this to happen. And uh, yeah, to, to build a roster with just, you know, an upper echelon group uh, and sort of leave your secondary guys hanging there. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking any uh taking any shots at maybe what Vegas has on their back end and what they have in their farm system here but uh I'm just looking at that and I'm and I'm just saying uh yeah it's it's great to get a Jack Eichel but he's going to need some help too I yeah, mean these guys Pacioretty is going to need some help Mark Stone's going to need some help uh these guys are going to need some help and get they they can't go out there and play 25 30 minutes a night those guys behind them are, are going to have to play a key role if they're going to try to win this thing. And um, I'm with you guys. Uh, if, if this doesn't work out uh, in the very near future, uh, you're going to have to wonder uh, how this is going to look for them in a couple of years. And think about it, guys. They're not going to have, what, Eichel until February, March at the at earliest least, year? At least. So what are you going to do between now and then? Uh, so are we almost calling this year a wash or what? Hey, let me run this by you guys. Uh, you mentioned Jake Neighbors. You know, we're coming up on the decision day on whether he goes or stays. Uh, thoughts on what do you think? Do you think he'd be better served by going somewhere where he's going to play a lot more and maybe play a more meaningful role? Or do you think he's earned his stripes enough where you can trust him every night in the National Hockey League? 
Oh, that's a good question now. Uh, it's um, I was thinking, Mike, early on in this process, I don't think he's going anywhere. And and I'm going to stick with that because I, Craig Berube really likes this kid. I can tell you that now. He he likes his, not only what he brings to the ice, but just, just the hockey sense for a 19-year-old kid. He really has a good hockey. He almost has a veteran hockey sense when he's on the ice. He understands where he needs to be. He understands what his role is. I mean, they were playing him. When they play him on the top line, he understands what he needs to do. When they drop him down and play him in a third third line role, he understands what he has to do. They put him on a fourth line. He understands what he has to do. Would it probably serve him better in, in, in the immediate to maybe go down and play more minutes? Uh, I would say if, if he had the option of maybe going to the American Hockey League, I would say that would be a viable thing to do. But I don't know if it serves him any any good anymore to go back to junior hockey. Um, I think he's accomplished everything that he could accomplish there. Um, I, th- I think it's better suited for him to stay here, to learn, and and to get a, to get a leg up on everybody else and all these other prospects that are slowly but surely working their way in. I, Alex, what do you think about that? I'm with you 100%, Lou. And to add on to what you just said, the other thing for me why I feel like Jake Neighbors isn't going anywhere is because how much his teammates love him. I mean, you talked, Lou, a little bit about how James Neal's brought that sandpaper, a little bit of what Pat Maroon had to offer. You know, the Blues took a massive blow once they got past the Stanley Cup championship and they traded away Joel Edmondson and they traded away Robbie Fabry. They took out a couple of pieces that were just locker room guys. And watching the reaction when Jake Neighbors lays a big hit or when Jake Neighbors scored his first NHL goal in the early portion of the season, like there's grins from ear to ear on everyone on that bench. They love this 19-year-old. So I think in terms of team morale, he's a player you want to have around. And like Lou mentioned, you got a guy who does exactly what Craig Berube wants you to do. When you ask him to go finish off a check, well, he's going to go through the body. When you ask him to go to the front of the net, he's going to go stand himself right in front of the net, regardless if he takes a Colton Pareko slap shot off the face. Now, it's just the 19-year-old vision he has on the ice. So fifth year of junior hockey, I don't think he has anything else to prove. I think your best bet is to keep him here and let him be a part of this special team that we've seen bond so well in the early portion of the season, Clibs. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of inclined to agree with you guys. I don't think juniors helps him anymore. Um, and you don't want him to get stale, but I want him to be in positions where I want to see if he can be more of a goal scorer. I want to see if he can continue to be a good two-way player. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it's going to be incumbent upon the coaching staff to find those games where they can get a look at him and give him confidence in succeeding. Uh, and, and that's where I think that this is where it's going to be decided what his role is going to be. Um, you know, you mentioned the reason why these guys get a kick out of him because they were all that guy at one point in their lives and their careers. And to watch somebody else go through it, I think that's one of the reasons why they have really gotten behind this young man and, and tried to help him get through that first year. I, I think the big question for him will be when you get to January, January, Martin Luther King's birthday is the day I feel like this is when the season really kicks in. Played a lot of hockey games in that point. And a lot of kids hit the wall. And I think it'll be interesting to see how he recovers and how his team and coaching staff supports the recovery that's going to take place in the middle of January. Well, Mike, if I can jump in also on that, 
it's a good point you make about hitting the wall. Um, you, you've already looked at it where Craig Berube is healthy, scratched him there for a couple of games uh, and already talking about hitting the reset button. Mm-hmm. And look how quick that took. So, and, and, and again, and he wanted to reiterate it, it had nothing to do with his play, but the, this these are parts of the game and parts of a season that you're talking about a long haul where a lot happens. And for a 19-year-old kid to have to absorb all this, uh, you know, he's still a teenager. Let, let's put it in perspective, yep. guys. He's, he's still a young kid. Um, this is all new to him. So this is all part of the learning curve. And, uh, hey, the last time the Blues sent somebody down, um, what was his name? Alex Petrangelo? It happened to him twice. It worked we, out know, well for him. You're right. Yeah, it worked out pretty good for him. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him go back down. But um, I, I just don't – as. Alex, like you'd mentioned already, as a 50-year guy being back in juniors, I don't know how much more uh, good and how much more purpose it would suit him to go back down there. So this might be one of those situations where you see what they did with Robbie Fabry, what they did with Robert Thomas, and mm-hmm. kept them up here. You just hope for the best. And uh, I think just in the small sample size that we've seen of him, I think this is a kid that's going to be able to handle this really well. I had a lot of people already message me and say uh, – they can already see a future captain down the line. That yeah. that says a lot, you know, when you've got, you know, the fan base already giving him those kinds of comparisons. That's a lot to put on his shoulders. Let's watch and see how he grows first. But first impressions, uh, I'm, I'm getting good vibes of what of what this kid has to bring to the table. Well, Luke Cork is our, is our guest here with the Ferrario face-off. Let me run this by both you guys. The, the mere notion that Matthew Kachuk's name was mentioned in a possible trade, uh, does that pique your interest at all, or was that just more uh, internet chatter? Uh, is a guy like Kachuk available? And, and and I'm not saying just for the Blues. I know everybody would like to see him come back, come back to St. Louis is where he grew up. I, I don't really care about that. But what is Calgary? What's what's their message at this point? Because he's their most recognizable player. Uh, uh, the other young man, Johnny Hockey, is a very exciting player. But I think his ship has sailed as far as what his impact is going to be on the league with Kachuk. You just don't see guys like that very often, tough two-way players. But what is Calgary saying? Or was that more conjecture on the part of people who just like to just hit that key on their on their laptop and just get something floated? Man, for me, Lou, uh, Kevin Weeks was the one that tweeted it out. And Kevin Weeks, of course, a friend of Klaib's online. I mean, when Kevin Weeks puts something out there, I mean, he's not just putting it out there just to try and get the, the Twitter trolls working. He's out there to try and basically say, like, this is what's going on here. And look, Matthew Kachuk was in the trade rumors in the offseason. Matthew Kachuk's name has been brought up. And it doesn't surprise me because I think he's made it pretty clear he's not staying in Calgary. He has made it very clear that St. Louis is a destination he would love to go to. But he also, I think, is starting to read the tea leaves with Calgary right now. And look, Daryl Sutter's not going to be the head coach for the long-term future of this team. He's kind of the stopgap guy to come in when an organization is struggling with a coaching staff. And Kachuk, along with Johnny Goudreau, who's going to be a free agent this upcoming offseason. And then you got Sean Monahan you're kind of in this transition period for Calgary. And I think Matthew Kachuk is seeing that right now. So it really didn't surprise me that his name was involved with those rumors. Part of me was really wondering that if he gets traded to Buffalo, 
does this become a three-team trade possibly? And then the Blues jump into it because Matthew Kachuk's not going to want to go to Buffalo. I don't know who would want to go to Buffalo, but <laughs> I mean, if, if whoever's acquiring Matthew Kachuk now has to understand that he is going to be walking in free agency and talking to teams, and the team that's the favorite is the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, I'm... I think you hit it on the head there, Alex. Uh, th that to me has been uh, the message here all along. I think Calgary understands that um, he's not meant to be there in the long term. And I don't know what, you know, I haven't been around that team. I haven't been around that locker room to know. And obviously none of us have been around any locker rooms here in the last uh, year or so, almost two years. But uh, I, I think the bottom line is, is, uh, He's he's given every indication that he probably isn't does not want to stay there long term. I was I was almost starting to wonder if uh, that's where his brother was going until, right. you know, Ottawa decided, uh, hey, you know, we need to make this we need to make this kid our our franchise now. Uh, Matthew hasn't done that yet. And I, I think Calgary is starting to understand the clock is uh, the clock is really starting to get near high noon here when it comes to making the decision with him. So. If you're going to do anything with him, you're probably going to have to try to maximize and maybe get it, just get his name out there to see what kind of feelers you're going to get and what kind of a return you're going to get. So, I mean, can you imagine losing him for nothing? I mean, <laughs> that, that would, that would be, that would be utter disaster for them. Yeah. You know, to lose Let's, him for nothing, you know, that, I, th I think, I think you have to try to maximize this and get something while you can to me is the bottom line. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We've got more of the Ferrario face-off. We'll wrap it up after this. The 2021 Acura TLX is the top-selling luxury sedan in St. Louis, and St. Louis Acura has an unbeatable selection. The TLX has the highest safety rating, and right now you can get $2,500 in loyalty conquest offers with 0% financing for up to 36 months. We offer free pickup and delivery, and we'll also buy your used vehicle, even if you don't buy from us. St. Louis Acura, committed to becoming better than ever for you. We continue with the Ferrario face-off. Alex Ferrario's here. Luke Korak of the NHL.com is with us as well. All right, gentlemen, the 500-pound the gorilla has been in the room for about a week now, and that's uh, the Kyle Beach situation. And we've seen a few people lose their jobs. We saw a guy's name removed from the Stanley Cup. The Players Association is not happy with their leadership. And nobody's happy about this situation. So where, what's next? Where do we go from here? Because this isn't an isolated incident within the National Hockey League. We've seen this happen before. What does the NHL, the Players Association, have to do to make sure we don't have another dilemma like we're having now? Man, this is this is getting crazy. And, and Lou, I'm sure you've seen this just as well as Klaibs. But now after Gary Bettman's press conference the other day, there, there apparently are a lot of individuals that are not happy with Gary Bettman, which surprise, surprise, people not happy with Bettman. But it sounds like owners of teams are starting to be displeased with Gary Bettman because of that press conference. And then you have Donald Fear with the Players Association side having to do an interview with all 32 team representatives. So I wonder if there's going to be more of a trickle down effect, but then I heard somebody talking about this the other day and it really struck a chord with me. The one way that I think that you could, I don't know how you can make this any better because it's such a scary and horrible situation, but the one thing, if you're the NHL that you could try and write this ship and get the approval of a lot of the players in the national hockey league 
is to make Kyle Beach a, a piece of the players association or the front office side in terms of being in charge of this, you know, anonymous hotline that Gary Bettman's talking about. Like an anonymous hotline doesn't work. You're not you're not fixing the problem. But if you were to put Kyle Beach in a position of power with the NHL to where he could talk with individuals who are going through something like this or talking with high school kids and having that voice who's been there and can kind of lead a direction for the NHL, I think that makes a lot of the owners happy. I think that makes every one of the players happy, knowing that somebody who has gone through such a horrible situation is in charge of making sure that this doesn't ever happen again. You know, I, I agree to a point. I think I'd be more interested in having him as a consultant for, for a committee yeah. of people, former players, current players, uh, and, and some professionals who understand this situation better than, than we do. Uh, to put the onus on one person who had this experience, I think would maybe would be unfair to him, but mm -hmm. his voice definitely should be heard. Yeah. I agree with you guys wholeheartedly. I mean, it's, man, I've had so many feelings about this since everything has come to light. And to be honest with you, uh, has everything even come to light out of this? We, we may never yeah. know everything that's, that's trickled down from this, but I mean, I, I think we got a pretty good understanding of, uh, of the, the ramifications, the consequences, uh, just, just, just the fallout of it all. And, uh, it hasn't been a good look on the game, unfortunately. Um, but I agree with you. I, uh, and how about Sheldon Kennedy? I mean, yeah. he's been somebody that wants to offer a, a helping hand in this as well. So when you talk about ex people and, and you hate to put it this way, someone that has experience in this because nobody you want nobody to experience anything like this i mean it's it, alex you said it best it's it's horrific i mean it's it's just it's deplorable it's despicable but you know to have somebody in place that can actually be a voice in this to those that god forbid that if anybody should ever have to even encounter anything close to something like this would, would, would definitely go a long way in my opinion i, I agree with you guys well, and that's why I want a committee instead of putting it on one guy because Sheldon Kennedy's a little older. Kyle Beach is still playing. And, you know, we have to take into account how much can these guys retain where they can pass on a, a, a legitimate response and how to deal with it. Because, And that's why I think we need to have more people in the room to address it because this comes from different angles. Uh, but I, I definitely think we should have people involved in, in certainly the NHL and its players should be coming together on this one. Uh, I don't think this is just on the league. I think it's on the players as well because they have to protect their own. And we've got I think the big problem here is, fellas, we got too many guys who've gone through it. Right. OK, this isn't an as I said, this isn't an isolated incident. We we have a number of guys who have gone through this on a National Hockey League level, on a junior hockey league level. Uh, so something's got to stop here and, and it probably should take place in the youth level of hockey, because you got to think that this has happened on a youth level as well. So there's, there needs to be parameters set forth from the NHL all the way down to the peewee and the youth levels on what is going to be allowed and make that hotline available to those youngsters as well. Yeah, you got to have somebody who is the is the person you talk to in all scenarios, because the, the biggest thing that stuck out to me with Kyle Beach and during that interview we did with Rick Westhead was 
he wasn't considered an NHL player at the time. Now, he was a part of the NHL roster. He was a black ace, but he never played an NHL game. So from the PA side, you know, there's only a certain amount of players and levels that you can cover. Once it's the American Hockey League, then it's a different level. And then when it's junior hockey, it's a different level. But here's the thing on that, Alex. Once he's in the National Hockey League, and, he, and as you mentioned, he was a black ace, he's getting a paycheck from the Chicago Blackhawks. 100%. Last check, there's Chicago Blackhawks in the National Hockey League. So mm-hmm. he and he is a control number for the Players Association. Now, the Players Association, they don't look at the names. They have what they call control numbers. And if your if your control number is five, six, seven, guess what? They're going to take money out of your paycheck for union dues. So yep. the minute he signed that contract, he's part of what they do, whether he took one shift or 100 shifts. Makes no difference. He's part of the he's under the umbrella of the National Hockey League and they are responsible. Yeah. And that's the part for me that uh, when, when they said that they were doing an interview and an investigation with Donald Fair, it's like, OK. And even Wayne Simmons, Wayne Simmons put a uh, article or a piece out on uh, his social media account saying that it's like, man, there has to be more onus on individuals with this because one person in the NHL can't be handed some information and then it just gets pushed to the wayside. You need a trickle down effect where one person has to answer to another person, which has to answer to another person. But that's why you're right, Claves. The committee makes the most sense because you have multiple individuals, multiple eyes looking at something like this that can stand up and say something rather than one person to just shove it under a folder on the desk. Final question about this subject. Joel Quinville. Uh, this guy was going to the Ho- Hockey Hall of Fame. He's going to go down as one of the greatest coaches in the history of the game. And his career has come to a screeching halt. Uh, and I'm not going to sit here and try and overly defend him. But I think in this situation, and this is where coaches aren't educated on the issue as well, the only thing these guys do, and you guys have been around enough players and coaches, when the playoffs roll around, they even forget the names of their kids, okay? They don't even know their wife's birthday. Not an right. excuse on Joel's part, but I certainly see where if something is presented to him, the least they could have done is taken this guy out of circulation and say, we're going to put him on administrative leave until we have more time to look at this. Mm-hmm. Had they done that, I think all those guys might still have a job. Instead, the Bowman name has been tarnished. Joel Quinville will never see the Hockey Hall of Fame. And there'll be some other guys who will have to go out and find another way to make a living because hockey won't be one. Man, this is a hard one for me, guys, because and I don't want to come across. And you guys saw the interviews with uh, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. And uh, I don't want to say heaping praise on these guys, but that wasn't to me the proper time to be talking about what these guys meant for you. Uh, in your yeah. careers that to me at that time was totally irrelevant and should have been kept to the side okay that that's that's all fine and dandy we we kind of understand what they meant for you but to me this was all about Kyle Beach and uh, at the time how this kid was grossly wrong and Joe Quinville was the first coach that I covered here um, never had a bad interaction with him uh, always cordial. I've seen him out and about, but Mike, I don't know if you've ever, or Alex, I don't know if you've ever ran across him anywhere around town, but yeah, Fairmount Park and I were, yeah, he and well, I were, yeah, uh, at yeah. Twi- at Tuesday afternoon at the races. I, yeah, <laughs> we spent a lot of time over there with cigars and the whole nine yards. And yeah, that we are played the Cubs in Chicago. 
he was a right. guy we go to the racetrack there as well so my my association <laughs> and knowledge of joel is is a healthy one uh yeah. but you know yeah. you touched on something about taves and kane you know what what should have been said we failed yeah from the well, from I'm a lying. player standpoint of not being better listeners to management yes. to coach we failed and hopefully we can all learn from this because we don't ever want this to happen again. That should have been the message compared to saying, well, he was okay to me. Now this isn't right. about you, man. This is about a kid who was abused and, and never saw it coming. Maybe you heard the whispers in the dressing room. Maybe you didn't, but when you're the captain and you, and there's a hint of it, you better be on it and say, Hey, look, we may have a problem here. And I know we got to play Philadelphia tonight, but this is more important that didn't take place. And I, and I agree with you, Lou, it, it, it's not about them. It's about the organization and they should have acknowledged that they failed Kyle beach. Well, and you know, it, it, we've talked about trickle down effects of things and this all just trickled down from the top all the way down to the players. I mean, everybody failed. And I know we were, we're talking about Joel Quinville here and it's, it's sad that, you know, so many people are involved in this, especially him, because I'm telling you, I, he was the first guy that I, that I first coached that I dealt with covering the St. Louis blues and uh, always had a good appreciation mm -hmm. of him as a person at the time. And, and as a hockey mind in mm -hmm. just period, I mean, it, he was always somebody that I was fascinated to talk to, even though he wouldn't necessarily give you all the goods he he was never one of those guys that would give you the goods but you always got an appreciation of talking to him so um i'm not going to sit here and put him on a pedestal because uh he's one of many people that made a bad mistake with this and uh i know i was talking to one of my uh close friends that's one of the chicago writers that covered the team during that time chris cook with the chicago tribune i said you know what i do chris and i'm maybe i'm Maybe I'm playing hardball here, but uh, for all those people that were involved in that, you know what I would do? I wouldn't just strip them of the 2010 title. I'd strip them of all three because all of those people were involved, not just in the 2010 title. They were involved in 2013. They were involved in 2015 as well. So if you want to send a strong message, if it was more important to them to win a Stanley and, and yes, Let's not let's not take away what winning the Stanley Cup means to these people. It, it means so much to a lot of people. But at that time, no, that shouldn't have been the message. Uh, so if you want to send a strong message to all of this, I would strip all three of those titles and show them just exactly what they thought that it meant to them and what it should have meant to them at the time. Here's here's where I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you to a point here. I I, I think that. There's there's got to be guys who who never knew about this because obviously it was a, a issue of sexual nature and those things that kind of kept quiet. Now there may be some suspicion, but I'm sure there were some guys that that woke up and said what? And, and because remember Kyle Ace Kyle Beach was a black ace. He didn't really know that many guys on the team, so I don't know if I would strip him. But there there should be more of a, a more severe punishment or recognition to how serious the league takes this measure uh now what that is i, I don't know if somebody wants to pay me to figure it out i, I probably could come <laughs> up with something but but i think there there's probably more to come 
I just don't think this is going to go away just by taking a guy's name off the cup uh, and some guys losing their jobs and, and certainly their livelihood. That hey, was- boys. We're out of time. Uh, we can do this for a while. Yeah. And Lou, we got to yeah. get you back, man, because uh, we, not only do we enjoy your writing, but just shooting the breeze with you has always been fun. And uh, you, you've made our day being part of the Ferrario face-off. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I enjoyed it. You're right. We can go on and on with this stuff. Yeah. Alex, we're going to get you a better uh, – we're going to get that electric bill paid so the lighting will be better. Well, hey, at least it didn't look like this, Clebs. <laughs> Before we get out of here, great on Halloween. Oh hey, yeah, he's just a my Harry Potter room. What can I say? Before we get out of here, we need to pass on one more bit of my advice. You know, the only thing faster than this supersonic golf cart are the closing times at thehomeloanexpert.com. Mortgage rates on the twos, and we have a 21-day closing guarantee. Apply online today at thehomeloanexpert.com. All right, boys, we are done for the day. We thank our viewers and listeners for paying attention to us. We had fun talking hockey. Hopefully you enjoyed it as well. Alex, we'll do this again real soon. Uh, Certainly when the Blues are back home, we'll have a lot to talk about as the Blues are in the middle of a road trip. That should be interesting. Uh, I'll go around the horn real quick. How many points do the Blues come off this road trip with? I'm going to say six out of the total eight points. That's where I was going to go, so uh, I won't take your thunder there, Alex. Uh, I guess I'll be the – I don't want to say the negative guy, but at least five. How about that? I like it. You know what? I'm going to be Mr. Happy here. I'm going to say seven. Oh, I like it even more. Look well, I had to be different. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I had to do, do something. I'm gonna say seven. So that means the Blues are gonna have to play their asses off here in the next few days, and we'll see how that unfolds. All right, fellas, again, thanks for the time, folks. Everybody, thanks for watching. This has been another edition of the Ferrario Faceoff on ClavesOnline.com.